0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash Messages. Amen. You ever come to church and you're like, God, I just need you. You know what I mean? God, I just need you, and uh, that's where that's where I'm at. God, can I, guys, can I share that with you? I just like, uh, Lord, I just need you. I was worshiping that song my defense i was sitting over there crying and someone asked me in the hall like what's wrong with you and i was like i'm just crying everything all right you know kind of thing Like, yeah it's all good i just i haven't gotten over the day this, the lord saved me i haven't gotten over the day that the lord saved me and he has brought me so far and he deserves all the glory he deserves all the credit he just uh, is so good. You don't know how far he's brought me. And some of you could say the same thing, right? You know what I'm talking about. God is so good. I pray we never forget the day that uh, we got saved. A lot, of you, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Well, Jesus, we humble ourselves before you and we thank you, God. You, you, are, you are so good. And right now, Lord, we just lift ourselves up to you. We need you, Lord. We need you. Would you fill us, God? Some of us need to be reminded of your love. Um, Some of us need to be reminded of your grace and forgiveness. Some of us need to be reminded that you're in control. Would you just tell God whatever it is that's weighing on your heart, this is the house of the Lord. The Lord is here in your prayer. And God, put your Holy Spirit inside of me. May your Spirit, by your grace, fill me and use me and put your words inside of my mouth and direct my thoughts, God. Give me strength. And bless this message, God. Would you give God permission to move in your heart as well? Just tell him, God, speak to me. Make that your prayer. God, I pray for our land. I pray that you heal those who have this COVID virus, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you be with families, Lord, as they are working through difficult circumstances? Be with that person who's working through anxiety. Jesus, you are Lord. We together proclaim Jesus. You are the Son of God, the risen one the one we look forward to returning as well. Have your way here. It's in your name, Jesus. We pray all this. Amen. 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 Amen to the Father. Amen. Hey, welcome. Those of you who are online, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this service. You are part of Thorn Creek Church. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh, I want to invite you to just open up your hearts to, uh, to God's Word here. Um, uh, so this, today's title, we're in this series called Do Not Fear, and this is part eight of nine. We're about to wrap it up next week, but today's title is How to Watch the News Without Freaking Out. So, um, um, I have, uh, my mother-in-law lives with us and she this is like the walking, breaking news person. I, she will tell me everything that's happening in the news and, 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 and she will do that. Incidentally, it's good to see you. Good to see you. So let me share with you some news this week, because you may not have watched the news here. Um, There's a war in Afghanistan. You may not be aware of that, but that's happening. There's tension rising between U.S. and China. U.S. is sending more troops to Syria to counter the Russians. U.S. surpasses 200,000 coronavirus deaths, accordingly. Um, Man uh, used a live snake as a face face mask as he boarded a bus in England. So you shouldn't be aware of that, too. There was a 4.5 magnitude earthquake that jolted Southern California. Did you hear about that? Um, There's fires in Portland and California. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and pray for her family, and uh, there are tropical storms, so you should be aware of that. And for the second time in history, forecasters have had to resort to the Greek alphabet because alphabet available storm names have been exhausted. So we're now in the Greek alphabet now. Robots are being used for food delivery. So that's coming. The Denver Nuggets are in the Western Conference playoffs, but the bad news is they're placing, playing against you know LeBron. Um, TikTok user's mom crashes through ceiling in the middle of a video. Anybody see that? That's big news. And Paris Hilton is back in the news, so you should be aware of that too. So now you're all caught up. Now you're all caught up with everything. I want you to hear something. This world is not your home. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them, "This world." is not your home. That should put some things in perspective. In in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, it's known as the Olivet Discourse, the Olivet Discourse. And this whole, these two chapters are prompted by two questions that the disciples ask Jesus. And I wanna start at verse one. I'm gonna read uh, 14 verses here. And I'd like you to just tune in here. It says this, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out out to him the various temple buildings, the disciples pointed out. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when this... All will happen. Tell us when, when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, yes, These things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdoms, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then, say then with me, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of money, or excuse me, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come." Wow, Jesus shares this with the disciples and this is one of those uh, situations where it seems like, uh, like Jesus is on one page and the disciples are on another page. You know what I mean? You ever feel like that with God? It's like Jesus is talking about something that's about to happen in the future, and you get the impression that the disciples understood, you know, maybe 5% of what he was was saying. Incidentally, these events that we just read, you could look at Revelation chapter 6, and Revelation chapter 6 outlines these events right here. So what does this look like? What what, What does it look like to walk with God into the future? What characteristic, what strengths will you need to have? So I thought I'm going to share with you four characteristics of that future Christian. What does it look like to walk with God in this crazy world where there's earthquakes and wars and famines and disease and all kinds of craziness? Um, I want to start at verse 1. It said, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. So I want you to notice something. The disciples are the ones who are pointing it out to Jesus. Jesus is not the one that points out the buildings. It's the disciples. And the disciples, you get the impression as they're walking, walking along, and you say, hey, Jesus, take a look at that building. Hey, 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 look at that. Look at, the, look at that architecture, Jesus. Look how strong it looks. Look how fortified. Look how beautiful it looks. And they're pointing out something to, to Jesus. But this is the first thing I want you to hear of this, is you can be enamored with the wrong thing. You could be enamored with the wrong thing. Well, what impresses you may not impress God. You know, that company that you work for that you feel like will last forever, won't last forever. That house that you live in will not last forever. That car that you drive will not last forever. Those clothes that you buy will not last forever. And these disciples are walking alongside this building and Jesus says, hey, (laughs) that's not gonna last. It reminds me of Colossians chapter three, Paul the apostle said it like this. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. you need to hear this. God wants you to enjoy that car and that house and those clothes and all of those things, but he doesn't want you to set your mind, set your thoughts on those things. And the disciples were really, 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 you know, they were enamored by this building. And then Jesus says, he says, do you see, verse two, he said, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. The thing that struck out with me here is there was this gap that existed. The disciples are walking with Jesus and they don't recognize who he is yet. And there's this this gap where, where they're not connecting this building with Jesus and his mission and what he's doing and what's happening. They're not connecting the reality with eternity. There's this gap between what they value and what God values. Let me say it like this. The disciples saw what was in front of them, but they couldn't see who was in front of them. And sometimes we can get caught up in our world and we can, we, we can be caught up in our minds and our hearts can be wrapped up in things of this world and we don't recognize what's at stake. There's this gap between what we see and the future and what God has for us. There's all kinds of gaps. We do it all the, all the time. Some people believe you can be a good person without knowing God. Or you can be a good person and you don't need to go to church. These are gaps. Or you can, you can, you can, you can, you can experience the blessings of God, but you don't need to be obedient to God. Or, or you can experience the gap of, of, I want God to forgive me for all of my sins, but I'm not able to forgive others myself. That's a gap. You want the forgiveness of God, but you can't, uh, you're not able to forgive others. Or you want the love of God, but you have a difficult time loving other people. Or you want God to be faithful, but you're not faithful yourself. And, and as strange as it sounds, there's a gap even between the church and Christ for some people. Now, the thought is, I can be a Christian, but I don't have to attend church. When the church is the body of Christ and the head of the church is Jesus Christ, it's his organization. So we live with these gaps in our life. And the question is, are you able to connect? Are you able to connect what's happening in the present with eternity? Are you able to connect that this is happening right here, but I know it matters and I I know know God can move. It's kind of like when you start walking with God, And you might face something new in your life and a new challenge, but you've experienced God in your past. You've seen God move in your past. And because you've seen God move in your past, you're not afraid of the unknown because you're able to connect that it's a different circumstance, but it's your same God. And he's able to take care of you even in the unknowns, Even in the unknowns, I bought a desk uh, uh, for my office and I was in downtown Denver, and the gal I was buying it from, I was in her house, um, and I was just getting, her, her husband was there too, just whatever, I don't know. But anyways, I'm getting the desk. And, and while I'm getting the desk, she made this comment to me. I, she was reading this book by Malcolm Gladwell, and, uh, um, and uh, I, 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 I like him. So anyway, I, I, was, I said, oh, I, I'm familiar with that book. It was related to Goliath. I said, yeah, I'm familiar with that book. And, then, and she said, I said, do you go to church somewhere? And, and she said, I'm taking a break from church. So she said, I'm taking a break from church. And in my mind, I thought, well, how, uh, you know, I think there might be a lot of people that might be taking a break from church during this COVID season. I think there's a lot of people that might be thinking, you know what, I'm going to, I can, I can download my own face. I could download whatever podcast I want. I could download whatever it is. I don't need to go. I don't need to be a part. I don't need to be an, in a kind of small group. I don't need to be in any kind of accountability group. I can do it on my own, on my own. And I heard that, and I heard what she was saying, and, but then my other thought was, wow, this is the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people. The word of God is spoken here. This is the house of the Lord. And I thought there's this gap that she has somehow that I can, I can be this, but I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need the church. I don't need it. So you need to connect the, connect the gaps. You need to connect the gaps. Um, here's the problem is not everyone ha- sees the connection. We, we, can, we can do life in a certain way, and, and we can convince ourselves that this is okay and this is not, whatever it is, but not everyone is able to see the connection between blessing and obedience. Not everyone is able to see the connection with, 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 with our life today. Um, John said it like this in 1 John chapter 2. He says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you get this idea that if you love the world more than your relationship with God or the things of God, the love of the world can actually push out the love of the Father. Verse 16 says, For all this is, for all this in the world, And then he says a few things. Let's read it out loud. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, come on, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So John all of a sudden breaks down like sin in the world, the love of the world in three different categories. Then he says the world is passing away, and also it's lusts but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So as I, I looked at this, I thought, boy, we, gotta, we have to understand this more, and, and the Lord led me to, for, to a few things here. First thing is, is you have to understand is, number two, don't lust over the world. Don't lust over the world. This world is passing away. It's passing away. The Greek word lust here literally means an intense desire, for some particular thing. So it's a deep craving, a deep desire for something, desiring it above everything else. And John says it's about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Let's look at the lust of the flesh. This describes that passionate desire or the craving that comes from the evil nature, which is also known as the flesh in the Bible. Romans chapter 13 says it like this, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. And here comes the lust of the world. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Lust of the flesh. It's an awareness of, you know, uh, this flesh that he's talking about, that we've inherited that flesh from our spiritual grandparents, Adam and Eve. And we're born into this world. Nobody has to teach us how to lie. Nobody has to teach us how to do things that we shouldn't do. That's just our sinful nature, or Paul calls it the flesh. And that just fuels us. It, f- it impacts our desires, the desires of our heart, the desires of our thoughts, all those things. And all of a sudden, we can go down the wrong roads and we can get involved in the wrong things and we can think the wrong thoughts. And it's all because of that flesh working inside of us. And, and scripture tells us that this lust of the flesh is incredibly dangerous and can put us on the wrong road when it comes to our relationship with God. Then he also said, The lust of the ice. One Bible scholar, describe the lust of the eyes like this, the passionate cravings of the eyes for satisfaction, these cravings finding their source in the evil nature. Proverbs says it like this, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. Think about that. Another place in scripture, it says the eye is never satisfied. The eye is never satisfied. It's why you look at stuff and you're like, well, I want something else or you covet other things and you're constantly, you know, whatever you see will eventually enter your heart and shape the desires of your heart. That's why scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. So if you look at something long enough, eventually you will desire it. If you don't believe me, I just encourage you to look at videos of Lamborghinis all week long and tell me what you desire next week. (laughs) Just look at that and say, wow, that looks really, really good. You know, whatever you look at, you will long for, you will long for. And then the pride of life. One scholar said it like this. He called it arrogant assumption, arrogant assumption. And Proverbs tells us this in chapter 16, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Now this pride is not kind of the the pride that you get from cleaning up your house or washing your car. That's not this kind of pride. This is a pride that goes all the way back to Lucifer in heaven. When Lucifer Lucifer was an angel in heaven, pride entered his heart and he wanted to be like God. If you remember in Genesis when he was tempting Adam and Eve, it was the same temptation that he had in heaven. And with Adam and Eve, he, he, he offered them this fruit and he said, if you eat it, you will be like God. Pride is so strong. It's been said pride is the root of all evil. Pride focuses on yourself. When someone is prideful, they don't have a teachable spirit. They're not coachable, and it's a choice. It's a choice to be teachable. It's a choice to be coachable. It's a choice to to have a humble heart, to recognize that you need God and you don't have it all together. It's a choice. Pride is so elusive, and it's so powerful, it could enter your heart, and you could accomplish nothing, but yet you could have pride in your heart. And it even happens with pastors. Even after I was, I was talking to a church planter and I, 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 I talked to a lot of pastors and church planters and he was just starting off his ministry. He's just starting off. Hadn't even started a church yet. I was talking to him about things that he should know. And as I was talking to him, his words to me was like, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I I know, I know, I know. And then all of a sudden, he started teaching me how how to start a church and how to lead a church. And at that moment, I realized there's nothing I can teach this guy. There's nothing I can teach him. And the Lord will take care of them, and the Lord will build them up by his grace. And I have no doubt he's doing good things today. But when you have pride in your heart, you can't hear wisdom. When you have pride in your heart, all the only voice you can hear is your own voice. When you have pride in your heart, you're argumentative because your way is the right way. It's really hard to be in a marriage when someone is full of pride in their heart. It's really hard to have a relationship, a friendship with someone who has a lot of pride inside of their hearts. And pride has nothing to do with education. Pride has nothing to do with how much money you make. Pride has nothing to do with where you live. Pride is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly strong. Pride is so powerful that it could even affect your relationship with God. And and you've seen it other times. Have you ever run across some people who maybe they used to be in church or they they called themselves a Christian and they were white hot, excited about God's word and something happened inside of them. The lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life and today they're not walking with God anymore. There's nothing more sad than looking at someone that you used to dream kingdom dreams with, and now they're walking apart from God, and they've renounced their relationship with Christ. It's incredibly sad. I've had my share of those people, and I still pray for them, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Luke chapter 17 talks about the days of Christ's return. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, So also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. When you look at that story, I always get a kick out of those nurseries where there's Noah's Ark is painted on the wall or something like that. And I think, really, it's not like that at all. There's people dying and stuff and people banging on doors trying to get into the ark. That's really an accurate picture. But scripture tells us, that the day Christ returns, everything will be normal. Most people will just be going on their regular Monday. What do I do on Monday morning? What do I do on Tuesday? What do I do on Wednesday? Whatever it is, it will be normal. And this leads me to number three, guys. You gotta live with an expectation. Live with an expectation. If you call yourself a Christian, then the way you see current events, should be seen in light of the return of Christ because we believe Jesus will return one day. So what you see on the news, the events that happen, everything should be viewed as Jesus is going to return one day. And that soul matters to me. As unlovable as they are, (laughs) that soul matters to me. That one that hurt me matters to me because I know there's a heaven and there's a hell and I don't want my worst enemy to experience hell. And you look at things, you look at your life differently, you look at your resources differently, you look at your money differently, everything looks different. Everything, see the Christian needs to live their life with this awareness that Jesus is going to return one day. This is also a sign of a healthy church. A healthy church understands the why of what we do. Why do we do church every weekend? Why do we feed a whole bunch of people every November, every Thanksgiving season? Why do we put together six services for Christmas Eve? Why are we always striving to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ better and better and better in more creative ways? Why are we spending all this energy doing this if it were not because we believe there is a physical heaven and there's a physical hell? Carl Lentz said it like this, uncertainty is not going anywhere. We need to find the ability to find our peace in uncertain waters. Don't wait for circumstances to change. The circumstances may not change. That problem may not go away as quickly as you think it, it should go away. And sometimes God just says, I want you to to learn to walk by faith and I will take care of you. And you need to learn to have peace in the midst of that storm. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Isn't that a good word? Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, you believe also in me. And then he says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Think about that. Jesus is saying he's going to prepare a place for you. Now, who's you? It's those who put their faith in Jesus, those who are walking with God, those who persevere. Have you ever wondered what your place in heaven looks like? I'm just telling you, my place is bigger than Tiger Woods' place. I just feel that. I don't know about you, but I, have you ever wondered what your place looks like in heaven? I, I feel like there's going to be a river by mine so I can go fishing in the back whenever I want and, and, and whatever it is. Have you ever wondered about that? Streets of gold? In verse 3, Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. It's the heart of Jesus for you to be with him. Here's number four. And the last thing is this, don't panic. Don't panic. When the disciples were walking with Jesus and they told Jesus, hey, what about these buildings right here? Jesus, checked them out. And Jesus said, these buildings won't be around forever. And then he started unpacking that and all throughout chapter 24 and chapter 25, he talks about fig trees and talks about other things to help them understand that, that we're just passing through, but he gives the assurance and he says, don't be afraid. When you watch the news and there's kinds of crazy stuff happening, don't be afraid. When you see that count of that virus, whatever it is, it's going up higher, whatever it is, don't be afraid. When you see wars, don't be afraid. Earthquakes, don't be afraid. When you see things happening that don't make any sense, don't be afraid. You need to make sure your life is right with Jesus Christ. You need to make sure you're right with God because every day is a gift from God. I was talking to my father just this week and, and, and just, turned, uh, just turned 79 years old. And I, I, all I want to know is, Dad, is Jesus Lord of your life? That's all I wanna know. I don't care about all the softball trophies in the living room. I don't care about all of the status, all the things you've achieved. Just tell me, is Jesus Lord of your life? Because we're passing through, we're not gonna be here. Every day is is a gift. First Chronicles puts it like this. We are here for only a moment visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. It's about your attitude. It's about how you see things. There's a recent survey that showed seven in 10 Americans agree 2020 is the lowest point in the country's history that they've witnessed, You ever want to run back to 2019? Anybody want to run back to 2019 when you can go on vacations and go and sit and sit with your friend at Starbucks or whatever it was? But instead, look at these events and recognize that we're passing through and use your time to tell others about Jesus. Paul says this to the church of Philippi, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. Citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. When you look at the early church, there was a great famine that happened across Rome. A great famine. And I want you to be aware of this. It's found in Acts chapter 11. It says, One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. And look what happens. Verse 29, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. Notice what they did. They took action. They recognized this famine was happening. They took action. And they did this entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Do you see the way they viewed the church? In the New Testament, the church was the headquarters for ministering to those in need. It was the place where, where, where the Christians consolidated their resources. It was the place where they loved on others. That was the church. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, just a kind of out on its own, and it wasn't the same level of every other, or other organization. The church was distinct, it was sanctioned, sanctified by Christ himself. It's where people gather to hear the word of God. True Christians in the future will be willing to die. Verse nine said this, then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Now think about this. Also in this passage it says, the love of many will grow cold. Did you see that? It said many will part away from Jesus. Here's what you could expect. As things get worse in the future, a weeding out will happen. A weeding out. Those people who are nominal, lukewarm Christians will not be willing to die for the name of Jesus. And those people who are serious about their faith and serious about about their relationship with Jesus, those people will be willing to become martyrs for the sake of Christ. I know you might think this sounds crazy, but that's the direction that this is going in this world. And you see it, you see it. I like what N.T. Wright said. He was interviewed about this whole coronavirus and our pandemic. And and he, he said it like this, don't ask the question, why is God doing this? In the New Testament, the correct question is, what does God want to do in and through it? And what does he want to do through you? That's the better question. I like the way Jesus said in verse 13, he said, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But the word that gets me is endures. It takes endurance to walk with Christ. It takes perseverance to walk with Christ. When things don't go well, when you face problems, It requires endurance for you to continue to stay on that road. When you sin and you have a spiritual face plant, it takes endurance to get up and say, I'm gonna learn from that. I'm gonna keep walking with God and I'm gonna embrace his grace. It takes endurance when things are just exhausting and you're exhausted, but you say, I'm going to keep going. It takes endurance. It takes endurance to say, I'm going to read God's word every day and I'm going to make it a point every day. It just takes perseverance to go through that. When you've been hurt or whatever it is, it takes endurance to say, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep trusting God. My, my faith is in Jesus Christ. It takes endurance. It takes endurance to say, I'm going to go to church, or I'm going to watch church online, and then church is an essential part of my spiritual life. I'm going to do it every single weekend, even when you don't feel it, whatever it is. It takes endurance. It takes perseverance to live that kind of life. Many times, that's the only difference with someone who makes it and someone who doesn't. Endurance. Aren't you glad you have a God who says, I'm not going to give up on you. Aren't you glad you have a God that when you say, let go of me, he says, I'm not going to let go of you. I love you. Aren't you have a, glad you have a God who extends grace and mercy? His unfailing love chases after us. That's what Psalm 23 says. Aren't you glad you have a God who says, I love you, I love you, I love you? Aren't you glad you have a God like that? That's who your God is. What an incredible opportunity, church for us. What an incredible opportunity. If you consider yourself a Christian, here's what I would say. Is take your spiritual commitment to another level. Maybe it means spending time in God's word or whatever it is, but take your spiritual commitment to another level. If you're not a Christian, maybe maybe you're not, you know, you're exploring whatever it is, I want to just say this, why not now? Why not turn to Jesus now? What are you waiting for? Why not now? God wants all of you. He wants all of you. Well, let's pray, guys. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We need you, Lord. In this crazy world, we just need you. Would you just have your way here, God? And if you need to ask Christ into your heart, would you say this? Say, Jesus... I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and savior. Forgive me for my sins. I wanna repent to them right now. I wanna live for you. Others of you, maybe you consider yourself a Christian. Maybe your prayer needs to be God. I wanna persevere. I want to endure. Use me any way you want. Help me not to panic. Help me to look at today in light of eternity. Give me opportunity to share my faith with others. Even this week, God, would you have your way here, Lord? Thank you, God, for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord said, uh, (coughs) do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. And I want to encourage you to do that. This week, share your faith with one person. This week. You do that, share your faith. Just tell someone what God is doing in your life. One person. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church give.